Does everybody know what time it is? Time to take this podcast co-host compatibility quiz. Question one. If your co-host was a kitchen appliance, what would he be? A. A microwave. Fast, convenient, but tends to leave things uncooked on the inside. B. A refrigerator. Stores all kinds of goodies, but sucks a lot of energy. Or C. A sink. Always wet for some reason. (laughs) Why isn't there an option for the slap chop? It's grunt work. Okay, no. No, I'm just gonna... No, we'll just go again. Hello and welcome to Grunt Work, America's favorite podcast about the TV series Home Improvement. I'm Truman the Yin Man Caps, and with me as always is Landon the Yang Man Solano. And if you were here in the studio with us, you'd see that I've read this whole introduction through a wooden ventriloquist dummy. (laughs) You know, there are a lot of ventriloquist jokes to be made during this episode, but it doesn't quite... Uh, suit the podcasting format that well, does it? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, that's why we need to do more live shows. I think that's really <laughs> it. Or either that or just the other person on the podcast very artfully and elegantly describes what the, yeah. what the ventriloquist dummy looks like. Would our ventriloquist live show just be a recorded podcast while we sit on stage and let it play over the loudspeakers? I think that's... <laughs> I think we wouldn't tell people that, yeah. but that's what we would have... We'd be like the Millie Vanilli of, <laughs> of ventriloquist podcasters <laughs> because we would not actually learn the skill. Much like all yeah. of the people doing ventriloquism in this episode, no one bothered to learn the... <laughs> and it's an art. It is a... it Without question, uh, ventriloquism Ventriloquism, you know, my hat goes off to you, all of our ventriloquist listeners. We're going to be dunking <laughs> on ventriloquism a lot, but it's not against you. It's against the way it's been uh, truly bastardized in this episode. <laughs> it's true. Um, uh, before we get into that, uh, it's good to see you. It's good to see you as well, Landon. Uh, what, what have you been up to lately? Well, lately, uh, I have been I've been doing some heavy research. I've been going down. I, I went down to the library and I went down to the stacks. Oh God, were you were you going through the microfiche the way that uh, Jill does at her job? <laughs> Yeah, basically, it's either that or or somebody hunting for the Zodiac Killer. But I was, <laughs> I, I went through and I poured through records and I discovered a tidbit while surfing Reddit that had nothing to do with this. Um, just kidding, guys. I never do research for this, but I did find this on Reddit. So Richard Karn, mm-hmm. uh, I've heard of him. Yeah, I, I I have too. He was on Family Feud for a while. He did that <laughs> guest spot on Soul Man. I wrote a couple books about home improvement. A couple Lifetime movies. Uh, yes, yes, certainly. So. Maybe we covered this in an early episode, but at this point, I we've been going for so long that I've forgotten it because my brain resets every three weeks. <laughs> uh, so when the whole way that Richard Karn even got the role on Home Improvement was he rolled through a stop sign <clears throat> and got stopped by the police for it, and mm-hmm. they sent him to traffic school, and... In traffic school, he wound up sitting next to an agent who said, oh yeah, I'm casting for this show Home Improvement, and we, uh, we, we're we going to need someone because we can't get Stephen Toblowski for the next <laughs> few weeks for the first episode. So the whole reason that Richard Karn got cast on this show is because he rolled through one stop sign. <laughs> uh, I've heard that, and I feel like I've even seen him discuss it uh, during interviews, uh, you know, uh, behind-the-scenes sort of deals uh, for, for the show. Yeah, I... 
you know, I rolled through a stop sign once and got stopped by the cops for it. And the only thing that happened to me was my insurance went up for like years, <laughs> like like right up until the time that I yeah. I got rid of my car, my insurance was still elevated because <laughs> I coasted through a stop sign in my own neighborhood. I coasted through a stop sign once uh, in a little hodunk town, and then got taken to this weird rickety uh, mansion where this decrepit old <laughs> fella uh, sentenced me to stay and eat with him, and he betrothed me to his uh, overweight daughter who looked like John Candy. Well, uh, so things are looking up at that point, I'd say. <laughs> and that's, that's a very obscure reference to that. Let me say that sounds as like the Chevy but Chase. Trouble. Yeah. <laughs> Well, but that, was Paul Simon even in that movie, or am I John Candy? Am I, oh, am wait, I oh, we're, yeah, we're Candy. really switching roles now, I don't know. Yeah, I know, we're, we're body swapping. But you comics. know who is in that movie? The movie we're referring to is Nothing But Trouble. Uh, Tupac, Tupac Shakur is in that movie. Yeah, yeah, in the totally inexplicable digital under, underground uh, <laughs> song and dance scene in the middle of it. Yes. I have I have not watched Nothing But Trouble. I have multiple times listened to the Flophouse episode about it, and I have watched that music video... The, the, the digital mm-hmm. underground video that has all the scenes from Nothing But Trouble. And just watching that music video makes me so uncomfortable. <laughs> like, at what, yeah. to think that there's a whole movie of this. And that's maybe 4% of the off-puttedness of that movie. Um, though it just occurred to me that uh, Dan Aykroyd goes to star in a Home Improvement spinoff, The Soul Man, um, which I would imagine, if it lasted more than a season, maybe... We could have seen a crossover between Chevy Chase and Tim Allen. See, that would have been amazing. That would have, well, A, that would have hastened the apocalypse. They'd have their <laughs> mountaintop battle that much faster. But on the other hand, that that could have been pretty cool. I mean, I guess they, they go back, they're tight enough, and they would have brought him in. Uh, but look, we can talk about <laughs> spinoffs of Home Improvement and Nothing But Trouble and Richard Carnes' uh, poor driving abilities forever. Why don't yes. we talk about the episode of Home Improvement we watched tonight? Well... Because we're talking about ventriloquist dummies for a reason, folks. Yeah. Well, if we, we're talking about off-puttedness and loopiness and stuff that doesn't make sense, it's, it's very fitting for this episode. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll do my best at a synopsis here. I, uh, I will support you every step of the way. <laughs> thank you, because this was not easy. But um, here we go. Uh, for her job at what I presume is still inside Detroit Magazine, uh, Jill has concocted a uh, compatibility quiz for women to take to determine whether or not they've married the right man. Uh, Tim finds this very offensive to the idea of even just being a man <laughs> and sets out to create his own compatibil- uh, compatibility quiz. Uh, a minor rift erupts between the two of them as they search to find the glue that holds their marriage together. <laughs> uh, also, Randy has agreed to do the school talent show as a ventriloquist. But there's a problem. He doesn't know how to quist his ventrilo. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't make a joke off of that. That's too good. Uh, yeah. Was that, is that the whole synopsis? <laughs> I mean, was there more to this episode that I didn't miss? Because I felt like I was in a fever dream for most of it. I didn't know if the drugs kicked in uh, on this episode. And the whole thing was a flashback. I I have to say... That this is the first episode where I've seriously started to consider that maybe there this maybe home improvement was a money laundering operation <laughs> where they had they they gave the impression mm. of it being a TV show they gave the impression of a writer's room but really it was like Sopranos no show yeah. jobs and everybody was just pocketing checks for half the episodes <laughs> and then actually trying on the other half. 
<laughs> well, I, I'm going to put this on the table right away. Um, not not to make him a scapegoat, but just as a maybe explanation. But uh, we had mentioned in the last episode that Andy Cardiff uh, had taken over directorial uh responsibilities from mm. john pasquin mm-hmm. this is his second episode ah uh, yes yes so this is kind of the the sophomore ventriloquist slump <laughs> if you will that being said though i mean the director doesn't write the episodes uh so <laughs> well maybe maybe the episode as written didn't have ventriloquists in it but that was just all kind of onset improv <laughs> that, that the director encouraged that he had those just the whole episode is an improv episode i mean and and in which case still i would have rather watched whose line is it anyway well uh, i just looked up the writer um this is uh, by billy ryback but as we've discussed there are you know any number of writers in the writing room at any given time working on every episode um but he has already written such uh oh wait he okay so oh this makes a lot more sense okay so Something in this episode makes sense. <laughs> uh, the the lack of sense makes sense when you look at his writing episodes. So Billy Ryback has written Flying Sauces. Ah, ah. <laughs> he wrote Unchained Malady. Ah, yes. Um, this season he wrote Overactive Glance and Roomy for Improvements, which actually those are pretty good episodes. Yeah. Um, and then this one uh, with a handful of others. So. so he has a solid pedigree as the writer of of some of the most nothing episodes. Yes. Yeah. I would say that's that's pretty accurate. I, I just really, it just really feels like they realized, oh shit, the order was for one more episode than we expected. <laughs> we have to get the cast and crew to the studio and do something yeah. for a week. Yeah. Let's make this episode and throw in some ventriloquist dummies. <laughs> or like split one episode into two. And that's why we have uh, the, what was the one from two weeks ago, um, where he does the uh, <laughs> bell-bottom blues. Oh, right, right, right. Uh, where yeah. he does the, the closet improvement. Um, and then this one. I don't know. I don't have an explanation. We're just spitballing here because this episode really doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It, it, it doesn't, even by the warped standards of home improvement. <laughs> Before we go into it, do you want yeah. to guess? Take a take a crack at oh, the title of this episode. Uh, either you big dummy, <laughs> or oh man, that uh, sounds like something Jill would say. I, yeah, or or somebody on Good Times. <laughs> uh, oh man, or what what other name could there be for this? It could be a, uh, a sister episode to the the first season, first episode of the season. Be read my lips. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Read my uh, move my lips. <laughs> move my lips. Uh, I I don't I don't know, Landon. I cannot fathom. Love is a many splintered thing. You know, I'm not crazy about it, but they tried. <laughs> I, they tried harder on that title than they tried on anything else in this episode. <laughs> True. Short of having some prop master carve a Tim Allen <laughs> dummy and a matching Jill dummy. It's true, but we, we are getting way ahead of ourselves. Let's just start at the beginning. Yes. And uh, what a wonderful place to start. Yeah. You know how those lyrics go? Something like that. Something can like you, that. Can you keep going? Do you know more um, lyrics than that? I don't even know what it's from. It's from something in The Sound of Music. Oh, well, Jill would know. We should ask her. Yeah, exactly. Well, okay. Everybody hold while we call Patricia Richardson. <laughs> so in the cold open, we we start at home. Mm-hmm. The boys are making uh, Tim and Jill breakfast. Oh, I completely forgot about that. Yes, they make them. <laughs> so much happened, you you forget the cold open. Yeah, they uh, made yeah. them this mystery breakfast. Mm-hmm. Tim and Jill come downstairs. They're all worn out and tired. Yeah. 
And but they've got they've got these plates set out for them. One specifically for Jill. One specifically for Tim. Yeah, tray with the the you know lid and everything. The you know big fancy schmancy thing to reveal the yeah the dinner. You know you know the, just the the standard uh totally plate covering lid that every suburban family has <laughs> so they can serve secretive meals. On yeah, that's how you serve uh, monkey brains. You know. <laughs> well, I've never seen monkey brains like this. <laughs> uh, the name of my autobiography. I. <laughs> So the kids are being all cagey about like, oh, yeah, no, we just made breakfast for mm-hmm. you, you know, and, and Tim says something to Randy like, oh, are you still mad at me for putting Tabasco in your ice cream? And he goes, no, father, I love that prank. <laughs> Gives, yeah, one of those patented uh, no fathers. You always, you, whenever he says father, you know, like that's real kid in the omen creepy shit coming from Randy. <laughs> it's all for you, Randy. Oh, God. <laughs> Do you want to take this juicy ass punchline here of the thing that we all know is is coming? Uh, yeah, sure. So, um, Randy and Brad set the the trays down in front of Tim and Jill respectively, and uh, Tim, being suspicious of this, having played this prank on Randy, um, pulls a "What's that?" and points and you know out to the backyard. That dog's in the backyard again. Everybody turns the you know face the window. Because who's seen a dog before? I mean, <laughs> seriously, when you even hear the rumor of a dog in a backyard of all places, you have to give it your undivided attention for five to ten seconds. Oh, it's true. Um, so Tim pulls a uh, uh, Wallace Shawn. He pulls a uh, an inconceivable. Uh, it was very conceivable that he would do. This, yes, so. it was. Uh, and you know, as Randy knew. So Tim switches the two plates when nobody's looking because um, he suspects that Randy has put something in his. So once uh, everyone turns their attention back to the table, he says, Jill, why don't you start? She lifts the lid. Perfect, nice little breakfast, eggs, bacon, etc. She eats it. It's delicious. And then um, and what I feel is not exactly a great executed punchline. Randy just lifts the lid off of Tim's and a bunch of snakes in a can jump out at his face. Not even letting Tim discover the the jump for himself. I mean, part of being pranked is that you're the one who ultimately brings the joke down on yourself. You're the <laughs> right. one who opens the door and the bucket of water is waiting over it. Right. Uh, you're the one who, it's your ass that makes the whoopee cushion fart. Like, you, <laughs> you are the architect of your own demise. And Randy doesn't get that. No, he doesn't. Uh... uh now let me say though, now that we've now that we've gone and shat on it, it I was legitimately surprised by the snakes. <laughs> I was I was he pulls the thing off and they burst out of there and I actually jumped a little bit and then my first thought was God I hope Landa didn't see this and then I was like well I better talk about it on the podcast so at least I come out with a bit yeah somehow. <laughs> Somehow, this caught me off guard. So I'm as dumb as Tim. Uh, well, uh, I have no comment on that. Uh, I'll tell you what I do have a comment on. Tim is wearing a WXYZ Detroit Channel 7 t-shirt. A okay. sweatshirt okay. in this scene. Is that an actual thing? Oh, yeah. That is oh. the biggest, uh, I think, I can't remember. Bill Bonds was uh, one of Michigan's biggest uh, news reporters, commentators uh, for decades. Bonds. Uh, Bill Bonds. <laughs> uh, I think he was an alcoholic. I don't know. <laughs> so but was James Bond. He was like our, he was like, like our local celebrity. We, yeah. we followed him through everything. Uh, him and Eminem, basically. And I can't remember if he was through ABC or NBC, but um, WXYZ, I mean, as a kid growing up, you know, you I'm assuming kids don't see the local news so much these days as, you know, we yeah. did when we grew up, but 
just having those letters W X Y Z. Well, it's that, that. I mean, I saw it and I thought it was a joke because that's such a slam dunk for your local TV station's name. The last four <laughs> letters of the alphabet. That's brilliant. Yeah. How did Detroit get that? I don't know. Uh, I, I wish I knew more about the history of that. But I mean, I'll just say to a broader point that uh, you'll notice throughout this whole show that Tim is always wearing. Um, sweatshirts from college uh, universities, from whatever around Michigan, Central Michigan, uh, because they would send him uh, merchandise and he would wear them. Yeah. So. Yeah, good for him repping the repping the hometown teams. He was wearing a Red Wings uh, jersey earlier. Oh yeah, I have a comment on that later. <laughs> and that comment is Dr. Cox from Scrubs called. He wants his jersey back. <laughs> uh, so th- from the opening credits, like, well, d- unless you had anything else about the credits. Well, no, I mean, well, I'm sure you probably do, unless you had anything about the cold open. Nothing else about the cold open, because it plays not at all into this episode. It, that cold open left me totally cold. <laughs> that uh, that ranks as the uh, the microwave in our compatibility test. Okay, okay. It's uncooked on the inside. Yeah, well, it, it cer- um, certainly didn't get me up to sync levels. <laughs> uh, so, opening credits... No new innovations there, right? Nothing no. else we need to... Okay, good. From the opening credits, uh, the transition back into the episode is the opening credits turn into an orange, which then flies into the fruit bowl at the table that Jill is sitting at. <laughs> yes. Now, were this a Godfather movie, I would take this as a sign that Jill was going to die, or someone was going to die soon. <laughs> orange uh, is a, a bad omen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's also the new black. Uh, <laughs> but, alas, no, this is just... It just, I wonder, like, why an orange? Why not an apple? Why not a banana? Like, now I'm just... I don't even... I'm not even angry about the transitions now. Yeah. Now I just want to understand. Well, uh, if I had to throw some sort of logic at this... Like um, rotten fruit. If you had three seconds to see a moving object move away from the screen into the scene itself, um, would a red blob, a orange blob, or a green blob uh, more quickly get you to register what it is well probably either red or orange i suppose orange is the biggest wasn't but but i think banana would a be banana would be yeah. the the choice yeah <laughs> it is the most distinctive of the fruits that go in the fruit bowl <laughs> congratulations bananas voted 2018 most distinctive fruit by grunt work <laughs> so the the kids come in as jill is sitting at the table and we get the big news that randy is going to be in the talent show yes randy who's it's like he's inexplicably jazzed like once a year about extracurricular activities it's either the school play or the talent show well even this this scene got me off to a strange start where he seems so i couldn't tell if he volunteered for it or didn't but he seems a little embarrassed by it yeah like but he's also like into acting so what i don't i wasn't sure how to get on board with him in this even more so like he explains that you know he proudly tells Jill he's gonna do a ventriloquist act, which at first it's like okay, well that's the creepiest <laughs> talent. Like again, it is a talent and it is yeah. an art, and he's gonna make his dummy out of live human skin. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> he's going he's going to just enslave a local child and basically yeah. have that. Be I his mean, thing. what better way to manipulate a thing than a literal thing you can manipulate like it's like randy has ceased to be interested in killing living things and now he's like i want to i want to make my own people (laughs) they said i could be anything so i'll be a god (laughs) uh 
Aside from that, okay. Aside from that, Randy uh, is talking to Brad and Jill about the fact that he signed up to do this, and I think it takes even into maybe it, like it takes a few minutes before Brad lets slip just casually that Randy doesn't know anything about ventriloquism and starts making fun of him mm. for it. And everyone just kind of treats it as normal that Randy, who knows nothing about being a ventriloquist, would sign up at the talent show to do ventriloquism. Right. Well, this is the the whole confusing thing where it's like, I wasn't sure if he voluntarily went into the talent show and if he did, whether he chose his talent or if it was thrust upon him. Is he getting extra credit for this? Is he trying to impress somebody? What What is going on? None of it makes sense. And and also... This when... is the most critical I've ever been of Home Improvement. <laughs> well, this... This invites so much, even by the warped, crazy world this show takes place in, even the two dudes who are inventing conspiracy theories about <laughs> God living next door and Al being a spy, this strains credulity. So this idea that that he didn't volunteer for the, that, that he was just drafted into a talent show, like, is this the Hunger Games all of a sudden? Well, I don't know. I remember in fifth grade, and, you know, I have to assume Randy's, what, seventh grade, maybe? Yeah. Yeah, I call he's it that. Probably in 12, middle school. 12, 11, 12. He's probably 12. That's, I think, seventh grade. Yeah. Um, I remember being in fifth grade and being forced to do a spelling bee in front of the whole school. What? Why would they do that? Do they hate you? <laughs> uh, I don't know, but I remember being pretty proud of myself until I got out on the word um, soldier because I inadvertently spelled shoulder. Oh. I spelled it correctly. I just spelled the wrong word. <laughs> but no one gives you credit for that. <laughs> <laughs> and I surpassed the smartest kid in the class because she couldn't spell electricity. She couldn't spell electricity? In fifth grade. Still, I'm throwing shade. I could spell electricity in fifth grade, <laughs> and so could you. Uh, maybe. Well, no, definitely, unless you're lying. You said that you spelled electricity properly. <laughs> no, I, I spelled... Oh, she couldn't spell. It wasn't like you were head to head on that. Oh, no, 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 no. No. No, she got eliminated on that word. I now realize maybe I don't understand as much about spelling bees as I thought I did. <laughs> you know what? Maybe neither did my elementary school, so don't go by those rules. Okay. And, you know, and, and this all comes back to Randy not understanding anything about ventriloquism. And we not understanding anything about Randy not understanding ventriloquism. Oh, God. It's just, it's just like looking into a mirror with a mirror behind the mirror. Uh,. So, like, this already is weird, and then it's like, it, I think this is the point, and then Tim comes in, and this is the point when we kind of knew we were in for some strangeness. Tim comes in, Jill is making some soup or something at the, the stovetop. Whatever she's always making. And Tim comes in from the garage, as he always does, uh, very silently, and it felt like an ad-libbed moment. Just like uh, something for the rehearsals, where he comes in and, like, puts his finger up to Randy and says, don't shh, sh you know. Like, makes that motion, and then goes to scare Jill, um, but he doesn't, like, put his all into it, Yeah, and she doesn't even react very much, which makes me go, why, why wouldn't you just cut that moment? Yeah. <laughs> well, well I, there, we had that, re there's a couple scenes in here where it's like, why didn't you cut that extended moment? But yeah. He does that. But then his, what he says to the kids right after that, to me, is really what took the cake. Okay, well, yeah. Well, I mean, Take us through that. Well, he fake scares Jill. Jill doesn't really react to it much. And then he turns to the kids and just kind of goes, Sup? <laughs> That's right. Oh, my God. It, well, because, yeah, that whole exchange. So he scares her and Jill goes, oh, my God, you're so weird. And then he literally walks and goes, Sup? In this, like, weird 90s 
parents trying to be too hip yeah kind of way like is he making fun of the kids for being into skateboarding and stuff is he making fun <laughs> of himself none of it made sense it, and it, it began this the suspicion i had of this episode that really came to fruition in the wilson scene which we'll get to in a bit where i'm like this just feels like an inside joke that no one is privy to yeah us as audience members have no idea what is going on in this episode on set it just feels like they're all extended takes that you know weren't meant to be in the actual episode yeah it it, it was yeah i feel like maybe they were having a lot of fun backstage that day or maybe or maybe weird stuff was going on in and drama and shit in people's personal because look i there's plenty of days when i go to my job where I just am like, you know what? I'm just I'm just gonna do enough to get by today. Yeah. And and by a lot of days Don't I mean all. every day. And <laughs> and I actually plan ahead to not put in any effort. Wow. That's <laughs> I put in effort to not put in effort. You, you've got it on you scheduled out like months in advance. Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh hello, Mr. Stevens. I just wanna let you know I'm not gonna be trying today. Okay, thank you so much. <laughs> yes, that's right. I will be napping in my office. Uh but so I guess that happens on shows too, where you just come in and yeah, you're right. like, "Yeah, you know, fuck it, I'm not going to try that much." Yeah. But or I, it could be like uh, Andy Cardiff, um, thinking, you know, wanting to put his own stamp and make it, you know, kind of take over the reins from John Pasquin, who who puts these things in to make it feel more real, but mm-hmm. obviously having a different talent and like trying to include these things that might, you know, like how many times have you walked in and tried to scare somebody? You know, I do it to my mom all the time. Yeah. Uh, yeah i'm an awful son i will admit it oh yeah no definitely in the pantheon of sons you were by far the worst scaring your mother occasionally um so like i'm wondering if maybe he wanted to keep these things in there because he felt like they were real moments but just were very off base i don't know i i don't know either it just seems like such a step down we were we were uh commending the directing of like the last episode we watched we thought he was doing a great job and off to a great start but this is so much goofier. Uh, it's true. So, anyway, he comes in, behaves weirdly to the kids, uh, learns about Randy's uh, uh, weird commitment he's made to ventriloquism, yeah. and and promptly offers to build him a ventriloquist dummy. Yeah. Uh, Which Tim can carve? That's a new skill that we haven't learned before. You know, I, I'll give I'll give a pass on that because it's just like anything involving a tool. I just assume Tim that's Tim's superpower is he can okay. do it. And also they were doing they were doing woodworking. Tim thinks on the show. he can do it. Let's put it that way. Tim thinks he can. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, and he turns out to be re- well, remarkably good at making them. We'll get to that. Yeah, if he made it himself, I I have questions. Yeah. <laughs> um. So anyway, he offers to build a ventriloquist dummy for Randy, which. Uh, is a preemptive steal from the King of the Hill episode where Hank builds a ventriloquist dummy for uh, Bobby. The difference <laughs> being that in that episode, they ran with the Bobby being a ventriloquist thing all the way to the end. This episode, not so much. Yeah. And there's, there's no the payoff to it. No, not none at all. Not, well, there's there a, is, but it's not from Randy. We don't see Randy do any ventriloquism. It's a payoff in name only. And really, it's more it's more like a payoff where they come and they take money from you. <laughs> what we actually get we won't leave you in suspense for long so jill uh meanwhile has some paperwork out or something for i guess a it's like she calls it like the rate your mate quiz or something yeah it's it's something that she put together for the the magazine yeah and tim just you know picks it up and starts reading personal documents of jill's off the table hey it's his house and everything in it belongs (laughs) to him it's like he paid for that paper (laughs) 
Well, he paid for the ink. So by proxy, any ideas that go onto the paper through the ink are also his. Pretty sure he didn't pay for the paper or the ink if it came from Jill's office. Mm. But, but, you know, let's not split hairs. (laughs) Yeah, so I guess she and a few of the women at the office have dreamed this up. And it's going to go in the Valentine's Day issue next month. And uh, Tim is just incensed at the notion that a group of women would collaborate on something to rate men by <laughs> female standards without including men in the design process. I have his very elegant uh, response to looking at it. Oh. Direct verbatim quote. Give it to me. These are stupid. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I mean, it was either that... Wilson couldn't have put it better. <laughs> it was It was either these are stupid or just look at it, throw it away, fake news. <laughs> Uh, that's, yeah, so he's, he doesn't like it, and he's going through, and, and like, so it's, did you write down some of the, uh, the comparisons or whatever, like, your, what is your man, is he like this or this? Uh, I did not. I, I I do remember a few, one was like an oven mitt, I think, one was, uh, the refrigerator. Yeah, is he cold, he's, uh, big and cold, and the light's never on? Yeah. Uh, the, the one that, that Tim gets is, uh, he's like a tea, he's like a tea kettle, Hot and steamy and done in two minutes. It's Jill saying that there. And I could tell by the accent. Yeah, I know. I just had to, I had to qualify it because I only started it halfway through, which is what all the great impressionists do, is really only commit to the impression midway. Uh, so she says that bit about the tea kettle, and that gets a big laugh. And then she says something like, and you whistle when you're done. Uh, so, I'm, you know, this show... Is I have to admire how committed they are to just reinforcing in every episode that Tim <laughs> cannot fuck for very long. <laughs> like that, that, that the total amount of time he spent conceiving all three of his children was less than ten minutes. <laughs> and all three very unexpected. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, it's because it happens so fast, Jill doesn't even know they're doing it, and yeah, then it's right. over. Oh, and also she reveals to Tim that uh, on this test, he scored 98, dot, 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 out of 300. <laughs> uh, I don't know why that, that kind of got me a little bit. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, one thing that I will always love in a sitcom is a gag about a rating system where the rating system turns out to, where then you find out more about the rating yeah. system and your first impression. This is really in the weeds. <laughs> uh, but uh, do you have any more on that scene? Because that will eventually take us into Tool Time. Yes. It, yeah, no, let's go to Tool Time because there's... There's some things that happen on Tool Time. That's a very succinct explanation. <laughs> got, got, That's about as specific as I can get, to be perfectly honest. You know, here here at Gruntwork, we pride ourselves on not, you not having to watch the episode f- to understand what we're doing. And you, you don't have to. No. But if you watch it, you'll understand why we are doing such a weird job tonight. Yeah. Like, I've, I, there was one time I tried to explain the plot to uh, Louis Bunuel's uh, The Exterminating Angel which oh, is yeah, of course happens to all of us which is a, a film where there's these aristocratic um people at a dinner party and they can't leave and it's a surrealist thing and everyone's response always is well why can't they leave <laughs> and it's like well i can't i can't explain it you have to watch it to understand that it makes sense within the world that it's set up uh and this episode feels very much like it was directed by Louis Bunuel yeah yeah, I, I, I felt the same thing. <laughs> uh, it did feel like an artsy French film or like one of those later episodes of, of Twin Peaks. 
yes, we go to tool time, and uh, and we start with uh, a close up shot of you guessed it, the Benford lathe. <laughs> Yet another another Benford product. Although this one's a tool, so I'm not going to give him too much much guff. But Al is uh, carving a table leg uh, on this lathe. Um, and Tim actually commends him on his craftsmanship, which I thought, hey, good for you. It, it really, it stood out. I was like, hey, character development. <laughs> and then. <laughs> and then uh, Tim takes the table leg. Um, oh, he, he, he takes a baseball bat that he yeah. had created on the lathe uh, earlier, I guess. Yeah, that... yeah, he's like explaining like, oh, this is a lathe. Here's what you can do with it. Yeah. We used it to make this baseball bat earlier. Uh, so he takes this baseball bat and he starts... Um, Talking about the the he, he he hops on his soapbox. It's not mince words. He starts going off on Jill. Uh, well, not not at first. No, does does the the weirdness the, happen before the, that? the weirdness happens first with zero? See, I'm in such a weird mixed up tip topsy turvy mindset that I don't know what comes where. Why don't you take over on that one? Oh, okay. Well. I... He picks up the baseball bat and he's just kind of admiring this baseball bat, and it's a beautiful thing. It's a it's a newly carved, unvarnished bat. And then he says, "Klaus, why don't you play some baseball sounds for me? I love baseball." And so Klaus starts playing uh, baseball sounds. And Tim's walking around with with the bat, kind of strutting around, doing Babe Ruth stuff. And it's like, okay, five seconds go by. Mm. 10 seconds. Wow, he sure is doing it. Okay, now he's lining up. And, he, and so Tim does like some, you know, uh, swinging the bat like he's yep. hitting balls. And, and the Klaus sound effects are, you know, making the sound of the ball getting hit. And <laughs> uh, clearly, Landon and I go to baseball games all the time. Um, so Tim Tim milks that. And then yep. he goes, hey, Al, how about, how about you take a swing? And hands the bat to Al and then Al comes out and starts like you know does a whole thing of like getting down into his stance and yeah. kind of warming up and really getting into it. and you get the sense looking at Richard Carn this looks like a guy who played some baseball, some baseball like yeah. in high school or college or mm-hmm. something he's got a good form and I don't even know what the fuck good form looks like but <laughs> as someone who used to play baseball and love baseball I would agree with you okay okay you would agree that that he has good form or yes. that I don't know what I'm talking both okay, okay good good. <laughs> Correct on all counts. Uh, so he gets down into it and does a couple swings, and each time the sound effect is of the ball going into the catcher's yeah, bat. Like Tim, like, yeah, and Tim, that was no, that was a bank teller. <laughs> no, 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 thump. Oh, that's yeah, that's, the, that's a, bank, that's a bank, bank teller. I don't know what I did. We're, we're really doing just the trip sound effects now. I never claimed to be a ventriloquist. <laughs> uh, but so Tim is down behind him, miming like he's the catcher, mm. and so ah ha ha. The joke is that that. Al, you know, Al struck, you know, or didn't, yeah. didn't, he got a strike. Yeah. And then, and meanwhile, we're in hour two of this bit. I know. And <laughs> and then Al is like, oh, okay, okay. He wants to give the, the thing back. But Tim is like, no, Al, go again, go again. And they basically do uh, two more times until Al has struck out. Three strikes, you're out. Yeah. And this is two men playing imaginary baseball. Do you want to comment on the fact that Tim takes the bat after Al swing, uh, strikes out? And then does a little pool cue motion, oh, and God. there's another home run sound effect. Yeah. And L, Richard Karn, watches the ball <laughs> go flying out of the stadium. This imaginary pantomime. It's it's like, you wonder almost if tool time is really just some sort of, like, 
like clown show or something <laughs> and they're both just what? really deep in their like people yeah. actually come to see it for them to just do these slapstick bits my note was that maybe maureen like mandated that they need to start incorporating some sort of performance art <laughs> into tool time like we need to reach more uh demographics so in order to to get the more upscale hoity-toity uh you know cultural side of people let's you know we're, we're gonna mix it up with some some mixed media we're gonna do some <laughs> <laughs> I, I got a really great like uh full body pillowcase bit that you guys are gonna do for a season finale <laughs> this really is this is 80 percent of a mime routine like all <laughs> like if you took out the ambient noise and you added berets and suspenders and black and white striped shirts. They would just be straight up mimin. Yeah. Um. But okay. And this has nothing to do with the rest of the episode. This is nothing at all. Easily one minute, maybe two minutes. I wouldn't be shocked if a minute and a half. We hey, yeah. a minute and forty five seconds, maybe a minute and forty seven. <laughs> A minute 38. There are a lot of numbers that you could go through, and I'm going to stop you it from be going through them. It seconds. <laughs> the point is, this is like, this on what, a 23-minute show, yeah. they carved out, I, I can't calculate that percentage on the fly, but like, I, I've read that like on The Simpsons these days, like two minutes is enough for an entire subplot that spans the episode. <laughs> they spent about that much time yeah. on just... Tim Allen pretending to play baseball. I mean, it's not unprecedented. If you remember the Christmas episode, there was that like 50 second uh, bit of them on the, the, the snowmobile. Yeah, but I feel like Christmas episodes, because they're special episodes, <laughs> yeah, you expect exempt. there's going to be more dumb sure. stuff. I mean, also in the Christmas episode, that was the the green screen bit was overshadowed by the by the <laughs> man something something showing up and and really drawing our ire. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> the, the four who shall not be named. Yeah, yeah. Our our <laughs> our own personal uh, acapella Voldemort's. Um, but hey, so so they play fake baseball for let's say ten years and then and then <laughs> then Tim goes into the, his little soapbox routine. Uh, he is he's still so miffed about this compatibility quiz that that Jill has done that he has to speak about it on air. Yeah. Um and uh he you know does his mock wife voice uh, which is you know a, a little offensive if I'm being perfectly honest. Yeah, just a touch, just skosh. <laughs> Where he's like um he's you know he takes his he takes his man spready seat yeah. on his uh on his recliner and he's yeah. like uh, my wife did this compatibility quiz with questions like, if your husband's a piece of pie, what kind of pie would he be? It's really good. <laughs> it's like halfway between effeminate Harry Carey, maybe? I, <laughs> Holy I cow, my husband's a pie. <laughs> and then he, he turns to L in probably the best line of the series so far. <laughs> he says, L, are you a piece of pie? <laughs> Which is already just a weird... <laughs> premise a weird setup and al goes i'm a pie sees oh god <laughs> guys we laughed so hard like landon's neighbors like were, were banging on the this their ceiling with a broom to get those two knuckleheads to shut up we were that was oh man because at that point our spirits were already really like we knew oh this isn't going to be one of the episodes we like this is going to be one of the ones that hurts us it, it makes no yeah that was an oasis in a desert it really was uh, a fantastic line and a fantastic delivery and what i quipped then and i was a little upset because i really had not liked the baseball thing but what i said was why is tim even on the show <laughs> It's true. Because if the episode had just been Al, I still even just watching Al play fake baseball, somehow it's more fun because Al seems to get more into the whimsy of it, whereas for yeah. Tim, it's like a power play. Yeah. I, I completely agree with this, you. And 
goes back into my good Chevy, bad Tim mugging uh, <laughs> yin and yang. The uh, the rest of the scene kind of plays out with Tim, you know, being being Tim and uh, Al. You know, we we get a we get to see Al's Tim Taylor care of uh, oh. Tool Time board again, which is you know it's fun to see that brought back in, but yeah. Uh, not not a lot else happens in that scene. Uh, w- the transition out of that scene is the Tim Taylor address board flying mm-hmm. into the screen and then back into the void. Uh, indeed, and that takes us back home where Randy is practicing a very uh, what's what's a word for not well? Uh, shittily, shittily. He is shittily practicing <laughs> his ventriloquism using a a coat hanger with a shirt on it. And a hat on top. Yeah. And I don't know how that really trains you in anything other than the art of holding your forearm upwards. Because you're not moving. <laughs> like, you're not you gotta, Well, controls. I got to imagine those uh, those dummies are probably pretty heavy. To, you know, a lot of strain on the arm if you're holding them up for a long period of time. So um, the real practice is how to talk without moving your lips um, while having the upper arm strength to hold up a dummy for a five-minute routine. So what I think that looks like is you were like, what you know, reading the book on how to not move your lips when you talk while just like doing dumbbell curls. Yeah. So Randy is shittily Practicing. doing this, and and Mark is right over his shoulder watching him, saying, "I saw your lips move." <laughs> <laughs> and then and then Randy goes, "Shut up, Mark!" And then Mark says, "I they did it again." <laughs> Mark is like he's getting some balls at him. I it really yeah, because because then. Uh, Jill comes in and says, hey, Randy, how's it coming along? And and Mark goes, he stinks. And Jill goes, Mark, we're a family. We support each other. Lie. Lie. Not from Mark's perspective. Yeah, All this right? family does is undercut Mark. <laughs> and then Randy goes, I do stink. And Mark just goes, told ya. <laughs> so it's like he's learning. Yeah, he is. Uh, I can't wait to see uh, Mark develop more. Th- this is the result of... Randy and Mark having to hang out more because Brad right. is off with uh, Jenny Sadarsky so much. Yeah, and I think that that shows that Mark has more intelligence than Brad. Yes, because uh, he's not willing to take uh, take the shit. But he also can't beat up Randy the way that Brad can. So I'm curious what what kind of superpower Mark. Well, he's got that telekinesis uh, that we saw in the very first Christmas episode. <laughs> he makes Santa fall over at a distance. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's secretly rogue from X Men. Wait. <laughs> Not rogue. Jean Grey. Jean Grey. That's or the one. Professor X. Yeah. Or yeah. any number of the <laughs> telepathic mutants that they have. I love how Psylocke. I love how if you're telepathic in X Men, you just automatically also get telekinesis. <laughs> just like we'll throw in this other superpower that is totally its own thing <laughs> and great on its own. Uh, uh, but this is where Tim comes in. Oh yes, Tim comes in with his his hockey jersey, his Red Wings jersey, vintage looking. Uh, and this thing, this jersey, oh my god, is tucked in so tight, he has more tuck on this than half of Beverly Hills. <laughs> it is upsetting. It is a tuck everlasting. <laughs> uh, but he comes in with his own male version of this quiz. And I, just the, the note I wrote here, because I, mm-hmm. is why? Why is Tim so obsessed with this? Something that does not involve him, does not have any reflection on him. It was not, uh, hap- nothing happened to him. Yeah. He just found something on a table and decided he was so offended by it that he would obsess over it over the next two days. Tim is basically the analog version of Reddit. He is, de- 
He's just a, a white dude who's really pissed that he's not, uh, or that things are not the way he wants them to be. I and he's wasting a lot of time on this. Yeah, it, like, the the problem for me with this, and we'll talk about the the male quiz in a second. But like the whole conflict they've built in this episode is. The whole arc of Tim's story is Tim finds that Jill has made a woman-centric quiz. Tim is upset by it. He makes a lot of jokes at Jill's and women's expense. He makes his own thing. And to all of it, to all of this stuff, all of Tim's raging about this, Jill's response the whole time is just kind of... <laughs> she's just she's just laughing. She's just yeah. having fun. He's saying a lot of really kind of offensive stuff about the nature of their relationship, and she digs into... And she is kind of talking candidly about some real issues in their relationship. But to them, it's just kind of... They're sort of laughing about it the same way you might playfully fight with your with your spouse about like who won that game of monopoly or whatever <laughs> right um and, and it's it, yeah that disparity is very i don't know there's there's like a weird undertone to that that is doesn't sit well with me no no i it's almost like when you watch a couple that you know are rotting from the inside because of how much passive aggressiveness is in their relationship yep that's what the, the i'm not saying that's what tim and jill are uh, you know, in total, but it felt in way. this just the writing of this episode. Yeah, when you, when you're hanging out with a couple who you know fight all the time, and you know, that, and like they're talking to each other in a way that you know that they really are going to be fighting the second you leave, and are just like already drawing the battle lines. It kind of felt like that. I so the ratings on Tim's scale go from, as he puts it, cave woman at the bottom to Bambi the love goddess at the top and I want to know yeah. is Bambi from the Greek pantheon or the Roman pantheon <laughs> she... I think it goes back further to like the Persian uh, <laughs> empire oh, okay so it's like it's like Xerxes <laughs> yeah. Bambi all the other Persians who weren't in 300 <laughs> so I don't know who they are yeah yeah um, yeah and you know my personal opinion, I would take a cave woman any day because I would imagine she's far more efficient at things than I am. Yeah. I, I don't know how to cook and kill my own meat, although I'm a vegetarian, but... Uh, <laughs> well, there's your problem. Yeah. <laughs> I need someone to do that she, for She'd them. fix that yes. right away. She'd, you'd, you'd wake up in the middle of the night and she's just, just you know, shoving a whole woolly mammoth into your mouth. <laughs> Uh, yeah, whereas Bambi the Love Goddess, she's going to have all kinds of baggage because her mom got killed by that hunter when she was a child. <laughs> Got a got a weird rabbit living in your house. <laughs> I don't even remember what comes of this scene. Uh, I'll I'll fast forward. Like Tim has yeah. a bunch of hockey oriented uh, ratings that aren't really worth. Yeah, the, the paper hockey mask that's why you know, wiry and closed off. Yeah. Uh, Jill scores an eighty-eight out of. Wait for it, guys. Now you're thinking it's going to be a hundred, but you were wrong before when it was actually three hundred. So do you think it's going to be a lower number <laughs> or a higher number? It's out of seven million. <laughs> seven million. Eighty-eight out of seven million. It's hilarious, guys. That you know what? I'm not gonna lie. That line actually got me. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I don't know. I think I was because they already did it once. Yeah. As soon as they do that gag once, and then I'm wise to it. Then as soon as they do it again, I just assume like, oh, it'll probably be the highest number they can think of, like infinity or something. <laughs> and they hit seven million instead. There you go. Uh, the thing ends with okay. This is how the scene ends. This is what's so troubling about it. Tim just goes through talking up how, uh, you know, here's all these categories on my list and all this man-centric rate-your-woman stuff. 
And he and so he tells her that she's 88 out of 700, and Jill goes, oh, ha, ha, so I guess I'm not Bambi the love goddess. And Tim goes, you'll need 10 points just to catch up to Tina the inflatable doll. And Ugh. Jill just kind of gives a silly bon mot to the camera, and that's the end of the scene. And it's like, dude, you called your wife of 14 years the mother of your children less than an inflatable <laughs> sex doll. <laughs> I, I'm... Ugh. Like, listen, if those of you who are in relationships, try that shit. Try, turn off the podcast. <laughs> try that shit right now on an actual living, breathing woman and see how it works. See, I'm not saying that I'm an expert yeah. on women because I'm not, but that's just rude. <laughs> Don't do it. Oh, God. Next week, I'm going to uh, trick you and see if I can put a uh, inflatable doll in my place and uh, see if you notice. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know. It's it, it's all really in the facial hair. What does it? <laughs> uh, but that takes us to uh, a scene later in the same location uh, with Randy still practicing. Yes. Uh, Jill's helping him this time. And through this whole episode, and now I know why, I didn't remember any of it. And I'm like, mm. did I not see this episode when I was a kid? This scene, this particular moment... Uh, brought it all back to me. I do remember this moment where she's trying to um, train Randy on how to talk without moving his mouth and says that in order to say the letter V, you do a cough noise combined with the letter G. And for some reason, that's always stuck with me. Wow. Uh, In my bedroom at night when I was trying to do ventriloquism, uh, (laughs) I would try that. Not the nightmarish image of the actual ventriloquism dolls we get in a minute. That's not what sticks (laughs) with you in your bedroom late at night. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's what's in my bedroom later now. Oh, God. But, you know, Randy's mouth is still moving. He tries this this little technique. It does not work out. Surprise, surprise. Um, and Jill, Jill recommends that he name the fake ventriloquist uh, coat hanger he's using. And the name that she comes up with is Spanky. Spanky. We don't need to say anything more about that. It just needs to be known to the world <laughs> that they had they had time to come up with a name, and that was the one that they thought of. Maybe I mean she makes a lot of uh, outdated references in this episode True. to uh, Ed Sullivan, who the kids don't know, to Ed, uh, Edgar Bergen, who was a, a famous ventriloquist of that time. Um, so maybe it's a little rascal's reference <laughs> because it does you know it, the hanger has the cap on the top of it and. Uh, that's what I'm going to go with. Okay, you know what? Let's believe in that. Let's. They, they, did, they, they went all out on one thing in this episode, and it was the rule of threes, Jill making outdated references. Um, so she then goes to the kitchen, yeah. and Tim comes in from work or whatever, and they're talking, and Tim... Which, by the way, that's the third time that entrance uh, dynamic has happened in this episode. Rule of threes, dude. <laughs> Uh, although I yeah that's I mean I really for how complimentary we were of the directing last time around now we really are kind of critical of it yeah it's like anytime we like something on the show the very next episode the show stops doing that thing (laughs) and does the opposite of it twice as hard yes uh so Tim kind of comes in and almost as though he heard me and Landon tutting on the couch about him comparing his wife to a blow-up doll he (laughs) says you know I was just joking around about us not being compatible the other day and and Jill goes, oh, well, I wasn't, or something. Like, mm. They have this whole conversation where Jill just sort of is nonchalantly just saying, like, no, we're not compatible, Tim. No, the, And Tim's like, well, how do, how, then how do we make this work all this time? And Jill's like, oh, it's easy. I just do, I'm just the one who always compromises. I just do all the stuff you want to do. You know, I always go to see your, your action movies. And yes. When was the last time you took me to see a foreign film? I'm really getting into this. I've really got on a roll with the, with the Jill yes, accent. I felt the emotion coming I off know, of you. I know. You felt the femininity, too. I'm just like a strong, independent, sugar baker woman. <laughs> oh, um, 
And yeah, so they they start going through all the the different compromises each of them do. He's like, well, you know, I let you have those, uh, I can't remember the fabric, but those Mm -hmm. sheets upstairs. You know, I would rather be sleeping on uh, Dick Buckus sheets. Um, (laughs) And again, this is another scene that really just goes nowhere. Yeah. It it ends on a strange note. There's no, like, B, you know, button to the scene. There's nothing. No. Yeah, the, the... the the I don't even remember how the scene ended. The only thing I remember is that the image turns into a piece of firewood and flies into the wood box out back, which then snaps shut over it. Uh, yeah, which is what takes us into the Wilson scene. Yeah, where Wilson is out back painting the ventriloquist dummy that Tim has made. With has he? Well, <laughs> this is where like we don't. Okay, so they have the the lathe on tool time, which mm-hmm. I guess lends evidence that maybe Tim was working with some wood mm-hmm. uh, and could do it. But um, I, I'm willing to bet that Wilson did this whole rigmarole because if Tim can carve, he can certainly paint. Well, it's kind of yeah. I would wonder why Tim wouldn't paint the thing himself because he doesn't. Tim does not seem like the sort of person who would say. Hey, I just invested a bunch of time in in doing most of the work on this thing. Now I'm going to hand it over to someone else, <laughs> acknowledging that their skills are greater than mine. Right. To let them do it, which we didn't, uh, we missed a very uh, unmentionable joke. I mean, it was, I mean, not worth mentioning joke uh, in the tool time segment where the the end of that scene, Tim pulls up. Like, um, he asks Al, like, show them the, the table leg that you carved earlier. And he pulls out this very fancy table leg. He's like, well, I carved a leg earlier myself and pulls up this, uh, <laughs> this wooden cherry, uh, leg, literal wooden leg, like not like, a table leg, but like a human leg made of wood like, with a high heel and a, uh, garter on it. Yeah. Like the, the Christmas story lamp. But yeah. It's made of wood, but made of ash. Yeah. I said cherry, but it was ash. Um, and, uh. So I have to question, like, did he have Wilson dress that leg as well? Yeah. <laughs> like, what's, what, nothing's making sense here. I, I don't know. I, I don't even, and, and, and then the conversation that he has with Wilson out there, it doesn't really, like, Wilson doesn't really lend any particular, like, he goes to Wilson to talk about the issue that has only just now become the thing, which yeah. is that, oh, Jill says we're not, Jill says that we're not compatible and she compromises all the time, or does all the compromising. And then Wilson, in his Wilsony way, calling in a lot of uh, references to to other I, stuff. I think Wilson was high in the scene. <laughs> if I'm being perfectly honest, he is so everything to him is funny. Mm-hmm. He's kind of speaking on the periphery of his mind, even more so for Wilson. He, he laughs at his own joke. He laughs. At, you know, we we did see him plucking herbs. In a previous episode this season. And he's been exposed to a lot of paint fumes very recently. <laughs> it's very true. Hey, man, um, hey, hey, you know what? God rested on, on <laughs> the seventh day, you know? There you go. Uh, he, maybe this episode took place on Sunday. Uh, or maybe this episode took place on 420, except it definitely didn't because they <laughs> mentioned Valentine's being in the future. But, yeah, and there's snow on the ground. But when you're God, any day is 420, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, but the way that Wilson approaches the scene is like he starts giving this advice, which I didn't write down as per usual. <laughs> I, I don't. I remembered it. We can okay. discuss it. In a well, second. why don't you go through it and I'll just give my color commentary. Oh no. Well, okay. Well, his advice is really like I didn't write down all of what he said. I just the the thrust of the advice is uh, when you're married to someone, you should compromise with them sometimes. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> 
he, <laughs> but just like a high person, he takes about five minutes to explain that. Yeah, and like, but I don't even remember. Like, what are all the? He's talking about like he talks about yin and yang. Yeah, which Tim mistakes for a couple pandas at the national zoo. He <laughs> he talks about building a bridge over water. He talks about how you and Jill are in a paradox, but a paradox isn't necessarily a bad thing, right? Because it creates energy and it feeds us. And I'm like, did he just describe the force? Yeah, <laughs> is is Wilson a Jedi? Is that a new theory we need to explore? <laughs> I honestly wouldn't mind that. He's a lot like Obi Wan in many ways. <laughs> he is, yes. Uh, you know, it, right on down to like Obi Wan fixing up droids and stuff, and he's yeah. got ducks in his back. Well, it's not a lot like it. But <laughs> I felt like Wilson's advice, or at least the way that he gets to his his groundbreaking advice of compromise with your wife. Uh, I think it was just kind of reverse engineered from, like, what are some words that Tim can misinterpret Yeah, right. and, and to be really silly in the next scene over? Yeah. And are you ready for uh, an Ikea joke? Yes, I am. <laughs> uh, there is a moment when he has the, the dummy on his lap and he's painting it, and he says something, but he gets so giddy about him saying it um, that there's some joke to be made there about... Uh, my note was, did Wilson just get an erection? But he's also working with Wood. Uh, send in your best jokes to info at gruntworkpodcast.com. Wow, man. Even, <laughs> like, I think Ikea would pull that one off the shelves. That's that, that's more like you go to Goodwill and you buy the Lego set and then you find out that, like, half the pieces are missing when you get home. That's, <laughs> I mean, I want to support you. And I, I remember it was weird how he laughs at his own joke. Yeah. Um, so... I mean, do you have more on... on... No, I mean, this is just... Uh, by the end of this scene, Wilson has worked himself up into such a weird tizzy that this is where I felt like the whole episode f was some sort of inside joke that no one outside of the cast and crew were in on. Maybe Wilson isn't high, but maybe everyone on cast was high. <laughs> It's, it's like it's, it's like when they're making Titanic, somebody put like like LSD in the chowder just, in the in the mess hall one night, and yeah. everyone tripped out, pumping pure oxygen onto the set. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but that okay. So that weird Wilson scene takes us back inside where Randy is studying on how to become a ventriloquist, and Brad comes in and gives him some shit about it. Uh, there's an exchange between the two of them, and then Tim comes in. With the ventriloquist dummy. Oh, God. Which he reveals for the first time. Wait, did I skip a scene? Or is no, no, no. You're right on. He comes in with a ventriloquist dummy that he made for his son, Randy, to use at the talent show. And the ventriloquist dummy he made looks exactly like Tim. Like he's made... He calls him Tim Jr. Can you imagine having that thing in the corner of your room at night? Can you imagine the degree of narcissism it takes... <laughs> Like, my son has expressed an interest in ventriloquism. Oh, let me help him out by making a miniature version of his father for him to take to school. This is so soon after Tim has just navigated the difficult waters with Brad of, like, how much affection do you show to your son in front of his schoolmates? And then, and, and now Tim has made a replica of himself for his son to perform with in front of the whole school. Oh, my God. It, and it's, it's terrifying. Oh, uh, it's not okay. No, it's not. And, um... The exchange. So Randy's like, "Well, thank you for all the hard work you put into this thing, but I'm not very good at this." And Tim's mm -hmm. like, "I thought of that. I, I, I foresaw that my son sucks, <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I factored that into this." Oh God, you're right. <laughs> uh, here's what you do: 
he starts this conversation. He starts his own ventriloquism act here. With himself. And he asks the dummy a question. I don't remember what it was. How do you feel about more power? And his response, the dummy's response is, and if you and if you thought that Landon went on a little too long doing that bit, that was probably half or a quarter as long as it went on in in the primetime TV show. <laughs> I, we we had to rewind it three times. We both had to do grunt work this week. the The grunt count. The grunt count up until that point in the episode was one, and we were getting down to, like, the last four minutes, and I was like, oh my god, are we going to have a one grunt episode? This is amazing. <laughs> this is like Christmas, except not. But and, and then he starts doing that, and then we had to, like, yeah, rewind so many times. He did 17 grunts. Just in that one little bit. That was 17 grunts of Tim talking to a, a, a dummy of himself, and it's 17, 17 grunts. He grunts... At himself 17 times. 17 times. For a total of 18 in the episode. His own language, he speaks to a dummy of himself in the voice of himself in the language that he... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're right. That is just so many layers of narcissism and ego. I, it, it, was, it was crazy. And so then, then Randy, like, goes off upstairs, I think. He takes the dummy to go practice, I presume. Yeah. Uh, and this leaves Tim and Jill to tie up their their rift, their fight, their whatever the hell we've been watching. And and, and but they really don't. No, Tim Tim recites the the recycled knowledge of Wilson, and uh, um, he says we're you know I know why we work well together. We're a pair of ducks. Yes, not a paradox, which. That's not a word. That's where I'm like, you know what? I wonder if Tim is intentionally fucking up the advice that's given to him as some sort of weird ploys. Like, I know if I play dumb, I'm gonna have, I'm gonna milk some of that sympathy points. That, so that's a Randy move, and that Randy. suddenly makes sense. Then <laughs> that, that maybe that Tim is a secret psycho all along. Uh, he could. I mean, Tim could be a sociopath without being like a psychopath. I mean, maybe they're interchangeable. I don't. Know. Uh, I'm not no, a doctor, but look at the way he talks about like his co-host on the show, or yeah. just mothers in general, or even his <laughs> wife half the time. Yeah. Uh, maybe mix that together with Jill's intelligence, and you just have a, a batch. You know, a, you, you got a stew going. <laughs> you got a you got a psychopathic stew <laughs> that is. Uh... That sounds delicious. I'm hungry now. <laughs> Well, it's got human parts in it, so okay. Well, down down in Ed Gein's diner. <laughs> um, so yeah, so he recites Wilson's thing and kind of says, "Yeah, well, but I think we both." I guess the end result is like he says we both compromise kind of in our own ways. Yeah, kind of. Then they kiss, and I mean that's that. Jill Jill says, "Ah, you know, I actually kind of like some of those action movies you take me to." And it's like, okay, she's admitted that she likes a traditionally masculine thing. Now yeah. Tim will meet her halfway. Tim admits that he likes going to the mall so we can buy lingerie. And it's like, that's that's not a compromise. No. D- dudes generally like buying sexy underwear for their significant... Uh, like, that's like the... W- <laughs> and, and also, you look at the things that Jill likes. No. The opera, museums, foreign films. Uh, the mall has a food court, a movie theater, <laughs> the arcade. Of course Tim is going to like going there. Yes, of course. And a lot of them, especially in Michigan, uh, one had a Sears, which had a huge uh, tool and automotive section. So Yeah, it's really not even close to meeting halfway. No. Um, but that's that's the end of that. We we go to our stinger. Oh, 
Which, and it stung, guys. <laughs> our stinger is uh, Tim sitting on the couch with his dummy uh, on his knee, and he's going through more of his act. Um, he does the totally cliched, uh, let's do our impression of a Japanese uh, Godzilla movie. Uh, and by the way, this is just Tim and the dummy alone on the couch. Speaking to nobody. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, he does the, oh, no, it's Godzilla. And then the dummy's mouth moves. Yeah. Which, I, yeah. That's not how those movies work. You, you don't speak and then have somebody else, another character's mouth move. That is just a failed joke altogether. But for, then, for a show that had a Godzilla doll on it <laughs> repeatedly. Then Jill comes out. Oh, God. And they have made Jill a dummy. Because, because why just make one ventriloquist dummy? And I, there, oh my God, this just, first of all, there are a ton of gifts I'm going to pull from this, this moment. Uh, but I gotta ask you, there there's one hundred percent a spinoff starring those two dummies oh. and a a dummy version of this show somewhere in the world, right? Oh yeah, that was that was a pitch document that was drawn <laughs> up after this aired. Like I'm not saying it got very far, but people were talking and thinking about it seriously. <laughs> like that was people. Jeff Dunham's first gig, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. He was he was starting out playing comedy clubs with the uh, with the Jill Taylor uh, ventriloquist <laughs> dummy that he found in a dumpster behind ABC. And I got to be honest, they did not make it very flattering for Jill's dummy. Uh, I think she's the, like twice the size of a Tim. I think that the Tim dummy they actually had they made to order, and I think the Jill dummy they got a generic woman ventriloquist dummy and put <laughs> new hair on it. Yeah, I mean the jowls on it are just so big. And this whole scene plays out, so they start going through an act together where they're both speaking through the dummies, and I'm like, okay, this is season two's version of the sparrows oh, God. at the end of Birds of a Feather Flock to Taylor. And we thought that was bad. That I mean, yeah. That was more technically bad. Mm -hmm. This is just more painfully bad. This, okay, they they sit down to do this little scene together with their dummies, and they have, like, the dummies are kind of between them, and so the camera comes in, and so it frames it so it's just the dummies. So you, so I mean, so they frame out Tim and Jill's mouths moving, so really, we're not looking at ventriloquism, we're just looking at two adults playing with wooden dolls. (laughs) They're not, it's like no one... Wow. On, no one in the cast, no, no one thought ahead of time, like, hey, maybe we should have a real ventriloquist on the show, and he can be the guest on Tool Time or something. Or maybe, or she. Women can be ventriloquists, too. It's true. He or she. It's, hey, man, down with the patriarchy. And you again, know what? Ven- Jill displays the most amount of ventriloquism in this episode. She she actually seems to know a thing or two about it, having at least watched it on TV as a kid. <laughs> uh, but it's just... So they do that, and it's creepy and weird. These two people playing with dolls. Never mind the fact... Whatever happened to Randy? <laughs> we never learn if Randy does the talent show, if he uh, came up with some sort of manipulative excuse to get out of it. Uh, nothing comes of Randy's subplot. Like, why even introduce the subplot of Randy signing up for a talent show for a talent he doesn't have if you're not going to play it? It's like... I, <laughs> this feels like one of those instances where, and I don't want to make too many assumptions, but where Tim Allen was like, you know, I, I want to this, I, I want to do, I want to create a dummy of myself, or maybe some fan or something. He saw a, a, an act in one of the comedy uh, clubs and just like, you know what, I want to do a, a dummy of me. I think that would be really funny for the show. I think that'd play really well. Ventriloquism is in now, guys. In the '90s, <laughs> that's what it's going to be: is ventriloquists. <laughs> um, I, I would bet that. Per capita, there's more ventriloquists in the 90s than there are 
nowadays. Uh, probably. <laughs> probably so. And rightfully so. Yeah, and rightfully so. Because you got to keep it down to the professionals. It's an art, guys. <laughs> it's an art. I'm not dunking on ventriloquism just the way it's done here. Although it is kind of a creepy art. Uh, it's fodder for a lot of great horror films. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And some bad ones, too, such as uh, the Season 8 Mystery Science Theater episode, Devil Doll. <laughs> Uh, but also uh, a great one starring Anthony Hopkins in Magic. Okay, see, you know, yin and yang. Yeah, exactly. And a fantastic episode of The Twilight Zone. We're going way off the rails here. Yes. Um, that's the singer. We go into the outtakes, which I think were from last week's episode. Certainly didn't feel... I mean, they were yeah. wearing different clothes than this week. Yeah. Plus, it starts with this uh, the big crane shot that leads us into Tool Time, where we see Jerry off to the side. And I remember making a comment about Jerry being so close to the set that he's most definitely on camera. They just uh, had so many bloops from that episode. They just... <laughs> too many for just one credit six. Or, or, more likely, this whole episode was a big bloop, and they couldn't add any more to it. Um... And and that's essentially our episode. Yep, that's that's about it. I, I do have a very important question for you, though. Yes. Did you happen to notice in our episode of Grunt Work uh, the absence of anything? You know, there was a certain 90-degree uh, angle <laughs> relating to an actress from the 90s that I don't believe we, we wandered into. You're right. How does it feel not having Pamela Anderson in the episode? <gasps> oh, my God. Oh my god, it's so bad. I feel like I have critically low levels of Pamela Anderson. I want you to stew on that until next week. Oh man, you're leaving them hanging. I am. Uh, okay, before we we end off on this episode, end off? Is that how, yeah, what people the, say? Yeah, that's, that's podcast lingo. <laughs> before, before this episode ends, yes. um, I would like to do a little promotion, as oh, yeah. I'm sure you would as well. Yes, yeah. Uh, let's, I, let's, I, I, listen, I got yelled at. Oh, I got yelled at. I just got uh, side eye. <laughs> I for, totally forgot to mention uh, two weeks ago that I was on an episode of, the, of a podcast called The Part-Time Superhero, uh, hosted by Sam Wessel, who is a uh, fan and friend of ours. Yes. Uh, we talked about Doctor Who. We, we Doctor Who? <laughs> uh, I made that same joke. Oh. She also did not appreciate it. Oh, that's good. She'll <laughs> love it when she hears this. She's also going to love that I introduced her by saying she yelled at me. You know what? This is this is a whole realm of badness. Anyhow, she has a fantastic, a really fun pop culture um, show. We covered the Christmas special of Doctor Who. Um, I don't know much about Doctor Who, so if you don't know much about Doctor Who, you're not going to be lost going into the episode. I ask all the seminal questions, I think, uh, non-Doctor Who-vian. Is that, that's the term, right? Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, Cindy Lou, Doctor Who. <laughs> uh, so check it out, Part-Time Superhero. And as an added bonus... You were on yesterday's episode. I was on, I'm on the most recent episode. I tried to convince Sam that The Big Lebowski is great. Um, I won't give you any spoilers on how that turned out, but if you're <laughs> a fan of The Big Lebowski, or if you're not a fan of The Big Lebowski, and you uh, lie awake crying all the time because you know you're broken inside and incapable of feeling joy, uh, <laughs> maybe listen to this episode and I can explain to you why you're wrong and should love The Big Lebowski. Uh, I don't know exactly where you stand on this movie. <laughs> Well, I like it a lot more than Barton Fink, and probably about as much as Hudsucker Proxy. Okay, so I'm going to listen to this episode, and we're going to have a... We might start a whole new podcast. Where we just argue about one Coen Brothers movie? <laughs> well, I'm I'm Team Barton Fink. You are Team Fink. And you're Team Hudsucker. Yes. Uh, I, I Maybe maybe Big Lebowski's the bridge between the two of us. Could be. Could be. Uh, well, if you uh, want to like and follow our show... <laughs> You can go to our website, which is... 
gruntworkpodcast.com. You're going to have to do the rest. <laughs> uh, on our website, you can also sign up for our newsletter, uh, which has been growing, and it's really fun to do. I'm posting the grunt count. I'm pa- posting the Pam's Corners limited time engagement. <laughs> uh, I'm po- we have some merchandise. Oh, yes, we do. Um, I don't know how merch. long it's going to stay up there, but um, we have stickers. We have some buttons. Uh, I'm going to try and throw some more things up there. Uh, you can join the Al Borland fan club. Yeah, if you want to become an uh, Al sign up for our newsletter and you can get access to all of this stuff. All this um, could be yours. All of this could be yours. Um, and as always, if you like this episode, uh, share us and we could really use some um, reviews and ratings on iTunes. Uh, Stitcher and the other places as well certainly helps. But iTunes is uh, where a lot of the eyes and ears are. So uh, please rate us there. And remember that every time you rate us. We'll make you a dummy that looks exactly like us. <laughs> both of us, like conjoined. Twi- it's one dummy. We don't have time to make two. So let's put both of our faces Joined at the head. Yeah. Um, it's basically us anyway. <laughs> and uh, you can also follow us on all the various social media places at GruntWorkPod. Well, with that, I've been Truman Caps. And I've been Landon Solano. And this has been Dummy Grunt Work. Dummy Work. Gu- oh, work. work. Ah. We're the dumbest.